Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your day. First off, good morning to everyone in Memphis. And wherever you may be listening outside of that, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you. And thank you for making us a part of your daily routine. You can find the show at Locked On Grizz, myself at StatsSAC, the podcast wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to listen, make sure that you do that. Listen, subscribe, review, let us know what you think of the show through the DMs on Twitter to myself or the show. Let us know what content you might like to be discussed. We always want to make sure our content on the show is relevant to our listeners' preferences. In today's show, I'll talk about what was a very exciting night to start out with in Memphis with the Grizzlies hosting the Raptors, but unfortunately turned into a bit of a disappointing one with just another frustrating loss for the Grizzlies. In the second segment, I'm going to talk about a glaring weakness. I know that Jaws struggles and the defensive struggles overall, I talked about on Sunday as being two concerning trends from this now four-game losing streak, but the most glaring weakness that is emerging from the Grizzlies right now, one that certainly has to be corrected soon, or it's going to be very hard for the Grizzlies to win many games going forward. And in the third segment, going to give a bit of evidence as to why the return of Jonas Valanciunas is really, really a good development, not only for the Grizzlies, but in particular, John Morant himself. Before we get started, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. So in yesterday's episode, I had talked about, uh, in the Nitty Gritty Grind session, I had talked about when it came to last night's game against the Raptors, a few things that the Grizzlies really needed to focus on. They were going to need to focus on defending the three because the Raptors entered last night's game as one of the top five teams in the league when it came to shooting the three. The Grizzlies were going to have to find their own way to be able to find success shooting from three because the Raptors were also arguably one of the eight worst teams in the league when it came to defending the three. But beyond the three, but beyond defending and shooting the three, another area of big focus for the Grizzlies was being able to get to the line consistently, because the Raptors are among the worst were among the worst teams in the league in allowing teams to get through the free throw line. Well, for a few different reasons, the Grizzlies certainly seem to have that in mind. The most exciting proof of this was the announcement before last night's game that rookie Desmond Bain was going to get the first start of his career um, against the Raptors. Uh, he had mentioned in the postgame comments that he was, um, you know, alerted to the fact that he would be starting in yesterday game's pregame warm-ups. So he did enter the starting lineup. The Grizzlies without the Anthony Melton and Brandon Clark plus the overall struggles that this team had had just unfortunately, you know, to start the season through their starters. You know, Taylor Jenkins was was kind of in a position to where he needed to make changes. And so beyond the incitement of Jonas Valanciunas returning to the starting lineup, the Grizzlies were able to get Desmond Bain inserted in there. So a starting lineup of John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, and Jonas Valanciunas was the Grizzlies' go-to lineup to begin the game. And everything that I mentioned, shooting and defending the three, plus getting to the free throw line, two of those things were done. <laughs> but the only problem is, is that the one that was not was that the Grizzlies just started out of the gate once again, struggling to defend the three from the Raptors. Now, they didn't get off to as hot of a start as the Pelicans did this past Saturday night, but they did start what would be a consistent effort from three throughout the game. However, 
Though the Grizzlies could not really do a good job of defending the three throughout the game, they did get off to a very good start. And the other two um, options that I mentioned, shooting the three themselves and especially getting to the free throw line. With Jonas Valanciunas back, Ja Morant seemed to be his old self again. In the first quarter, Ja himself had eight points four assists, and was six of six from the line. Jonas Valanciunas had six points and six rebounds himself. Just in all honesty, both of those players arguably looked like the most impactful players on the court when both starting lineups were out there, and it really made a difference for the Grizzlies in order to combat the good shooting that the Raptors had from the start of the game. Into the second quarter, Jonas Valanciunas took, did not miss a beat at all. He took right back over once he entered the game. The Grizzlies and the um, Raptors went back and forth once again. However, it was the Grizzlies, once again, finding success from the line, being able to find success from three, and just a really awesome balance of production across the entire board, both for the starters and the bench. And through the second quarter, through their impressive shooting, the Grizzlies were able to make nine threes in the half. I believe if my calculations were correct, they made 17 free throws in the half as well. And they entered halftime with a 70-63 to 63 lead from an impressive first half from John Morant, but it was as an historic effort from Jonas Valanciunas that really shined through. In the first half of last night's game, Jonas Valanciunas became the first Grizzlies player ever to have 18 or more points and 14 or more rebounds in a half in a Memphis Grizzlies uniform. Now, that's the second, in my opinion, most dominant game that a big man had ever had in a Grizzlies uniform. In the second half of a game, you know, in the past, Zach Randolph had 21 points and 13 rebounds. But overall, just a very historic performance from Jonas Valanciunas, and it was nice to see that happen with him returning to the starting lineup and obviously complimenting the game that he had off the bench against the Pelicans on Saturday night. Going into the third quarter, the Grizzlies were right back there once again. They were able to continue finding ways to shoot from three. They also were able to limit the Raptors' production as well. Through the first nine minutes of the quarter, the Grizzlies were able to outscore um, the Raptors by, you know, three points, you know, adding to their seven-point halftime lead. And so we come up to the third quarter, and the Grizzlies once again have a 10-point lead 95 to 85, um, and lineup adjustments were starting to be made as well as that was right around the time Nick Nurse was ejected from the game with his second technical foul. Well, from that point on, that's where it kind of went downhill for the Grizzlies. One of the contributing factors was that uh, for some reason, Taylor Jenkins decided uh, to go to lineups that just just were not advantageous, especially to start out the first quarter uh, when the uh, lineup was Tyus Jones, it was Grayson Allen, John Concher, Xavier Tillman, and Kyle Anderson. He went to that lineup, but instead of the Raptors also going to their bench lineup, they left their starters in, Fred Van Fleet, Pascal Siakam, and others. And over that time frame, through the last three minutes of the second, third quarter, last three minutes of the third quarter, and first three minutes of the fourth quarter, the Raptors went from being 10 points down. They then went on a 19-2 run. And throughout the rest of the fourth quarter, the Grizzlies just did not have a way to get back into the game. And through the last 15 minutes of the game, the Raptors were able to outscore the Grizzlies 43-18 to in order to find a way to win. Just like on Saturday night, the Grizzlies played a good 33, this time 33 minutes of basketball, versus 42 minutes of it Saturday night. And their overall effort offensively wasn't quite good. Jonas Valanciunas had another great night, you know, another historic night, 27 points, 20 rebounds himself, 3 assists. John Moran overall had 18 points and 9 assists, though he did struggle again from the field in the second half. But what really did the Grizzlies into Tonight 
was their inability to defend the three, which we'll talk about here in a bit, but also Taylor Jenkins as well. Going into a lineup in that for in the last of the third quarter and early in the fourth quarter, you know, we've kind of seen that as a trend from him. And that's one thing that, you know, it does seem to happen with Taylor Jenkins at times is that he seems to get very comfortable and very loyal to concepts that he doesn't necessarily adjust from during the game. And one of those concepts that he really has kind of settled into is that the first three minutes of the fourth quarter, that is when he's going to go to the end of his bench to keep his starters and main bench guys fresh to utilize whatever lineup he can that he feels advantageous in the final nine minutes of the quarter. The problem is, is that in several games now, when Taylor Jenkins goes to that end of the bench lineup, teams are either getting back into games against the Grizzlies or the Grizzlies are literally giving up leads and then getting behind to where they cannot make up for them. It's just, it, it, it's, it's very clear that when that this strategy from Coach Jenkins, it's clear why he does it. But there also now is overwhelming evidence, eight to ten games this year, in which that type of lineup deployment has really, really made it hard for the Grizzlies to be able to either stay with the commanding lead, stay in, um, you know, a game, or just in general, giving up a lead. Now, there's been a few games where it's worked out just fine, but overall, that end of the bench strategy of putting in an end of the, uh, you know, probably, you know, guys who, you know, are no more than the sixth or seventh guy in the rotation, you know, going without his best player, going without any of his best players for an extended three to five minute, you know, uh, time frame in the game, really has put the Grizzlies behind the eight ball a few times, and it's just hard to understand why it's done on a consistent basis with the overall limitations that this Grizzlies roster has in general right now without some of the without some of its best talents. So last night there certainly was a great lineup decision in getting Desmond Bain into the lineup as well as starting Jonas Valanciunas, but there also were some questionable adjustments and some questionable lineup management, especially to start that fourth quarter. And unfortunately, just right around that time, that's where the Raptors were really able to take over with Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam finding their grooves, and they just got too hot for the Grizzlies to be able to counter, and that unfortunately was one of the main reasons why the Grizzlies lost their fourth straight game. However, lineups, you know, different, you know, whether it's the lineups, whether it's the adjustments, whatever it may be, yes, there are several disappointing things about the Grizzlies level of play right now, but the most disappointing aspect of this Grizzlies team is the overall 180 that they have had when it comes to defending the three. And at this rate that they're that they're defending the three right now, it's going to be very hard to expect for them to win many games. Coming up, I'll look further into that and why the Grizzlies just absolutely right now are not offering themselves any favors when it comes to allowing teams to just freely shoot at will from beyond the arc. Unfortunately, the truth is here. The Super Bowl has now come and gone. And while Tom Brady now has seven rings to enjoy on a day, daily basis and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers once again hoisted the Vince Lombardi trophy. For many of us, it's kind of bittersweet to see football no longer available to be able to enjoy. It also is kind of sad to see once again that we have to wait an extended period of time until we have arguably the best sports day on the calendar to enjoy. And for many of those who like to bet, one of the best days when it comes to potentially making a profit to add to their enjoyment watching sports. But the great thing is, is that it's not just limited to football where you can not only have fun watching sports, but also make a little profit if they, if you enjoy betting on the games as well. Whether it be basketball, hockey, USC fights, whatever your sport is and whatever athletes you choose to root for, we've got one place that has you covered and one place we trust 
to making a bit of profit to add to your fun when it comes to the sports world. And that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at BetOnline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your sign-up bonus. Hashtag BetOnline. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Burkowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. So in Sunday's episode, I had talked a bit about, you know, a few trends that were emerging that, you know, during... The Grizzlies at that time, three game skid, were a bit of a reversal from you know the success the Grizzlies were experiencing during their seven game win streak, and that especially was true during the when it came to the Grizzlies defense. Now, obviously, their ability to create turnovers was a huge, huge benefit to this Grizzlies team, and that's going to be a calling card for this defense going forward. One that they can rely upon, you know, to really keep them in the games, and also one that can really be featured when they are winning. But the big, big thing that stood out when it came to the Grizzlies, you know, successes during their winning streak versus the struggles that they had during, that they're now having during their losing streak, was their ability versus inability to defend the three. So as I had mentioned, you know, before in the 10 games before, the Grizzlies experienced their pause to the season on January 18th. Between December 29th and January 18th, a 10-game stretch for the Grizzlies. Over that 10-game stretch, the Grizzlies were allowing teams to only shoot 35% from beyond the arc, which over that stretch was 10th best in the NBA. Unfortunately, once the Grizzlies got back from their hiatus during the season, starting back on January 30th, over a five-game stretch until last night's game for the Raptors, during that five-game stretch, the Grizzlies were allowing their opponents to shoot 44% from three, which unfortunately ranked 28th in the league. So to go from a top 10 team defending the three before their pause in the season to all of a sudden coming back and being one of the worst teams defending threes in the league, it really put the Grizzlies behind the eight ball. To be straightforward and honest as I can be, the limitations of this Grizzlies roster right now, without Jonas Valanciunas, Jaron Jackson Jr., and others, it's going to be very hard for this team to win games if they cannot prevent other teams from shooting the three. But the problem is, is that it's not just that teams are, you know, during certain parts of the game finding success shooting threes. It's overall from start to finish. The Grizzlies right now, in my opinion, are the worst three-point defensive team in the NBA. During their four-game winning streak, this Grizzlies team has allowed teams to shoot 70 of 145 from behind the arc. That is good for 48% from three and an average of 17.5 threes per game. Again, over this four-game losing streak, the Grizzlies are allowing for teams to basically shoot 17.5 threes per game on 35 three-point attempts at a clip of 48%. 
I don't care how good you are in the NBA. I don't care if you're setting offensive records. I don't care if you're the Nets, you know, the the, the um, Golden State Warriors during their prime, or the Miami Heat during their prime when they had their dynasties um, with their trio of stars. If you're allowing teams to make 18 to 20 there are three points a game on nearly 50% shooting, it's going to be very hard for you to find any consistency when it comes to winning. That's especially the case when the Grizzlies themselves already were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league and through this stretch themselves are averaging about 12 to 13 threes a game. Right now, going into each game, the Grizzlies are already giving up a difference of 15 to 18 points a night because even though they are finding success from three themselves, it's definitely not to the level of these more talented shooting teams. And that is a big, big detriment for this Grizzlies roster. And the problem is, is that you know you have you have a much bigger sample size of proof Without some of their better talents in, in players such as John Moran and others, you know this team can defend a three. They proved it. They went on a seven-game winning streak with the big reason why they won those games in a row was because how they defended the three. But now, all of a sudden, starting off against the Indiana Pacers game back last Tuesday night, the Grizzlies have just run into a rut where they cannot defend the three at all. As a matter of fact, Last night against the Toronto Raptors, the Grizzlies allowed the Raptors to shoot 23s on 37 attempts. That arguably was the second worst three-point defensive night the Grizzlies have ever experienced in the history of their franchise. It was only the ninth time that the Grizzlies gave up 20 or more threes to their opponent, and it was only the second time in which the Grizzlies gave up 20 more or more threes while their opponent shot 54% or better. So at the end of the day, I know that we're trying to figure out rotations. I know that players probably are a bit fatigued, especially with playing so many games in a row, coming off a bit of a hiatus. But the same level of activity, of effort, of discipline, of staying committed to assignments, of working together, just all the things that made us look so good before the pause and right after it in San Antonio, that's all gone. It's all disappeared. I know that there's a bit of faith in the fact that this team certainly can right the ship. Again, we know that they can defend the three. We know that they can make the needed adjustments that they, you know, to be able to defend the three once again. But no matter how encouraging the offense may look, no matter how many turnovers this Grizzlies team gets, and no matter how many, you know, no matter what types of stretches of play we see during the games, there has been a consistent theme throughout this four-game losing streak, that either the Grizzlies get too far behind early or any time that they try to get back into the game, the opponent, the, the opposing team just hits a three to really stall any type of comeback effort. And over the last two games especially, it's the inability for the Grizzlies to make their own threes while continuing to allow for their opponents to make threes of their own. So that's the bad part about this. That's the big overwhelming factor that comes from the Grizzlies' inability to stop other teams from shooting the three right now is that if you cannot stop the other teams from shooting the threes, no matter how many different ways you can try to get back into a game or find success in a game, that, that consistent threat that you cannot stop just makes it almost impossible to be able to find ways to get back into a game and win it, especially if the Grizzlies struggle like they have in the fourth quarter when it comes to shooting threes. So no matter the struggles of John Morant, no matter the overall shooting struggles of the starters that we're playing right now, no matter the injuries, all of that certainly does factor into 
the fact that the Grizzlies do have some limitations when it comes to their roster. But now we're talking about something that the Grizzlies can't control. Now we're talking about something that we have proof the Grizzlies can be very good at. That's defending the three. Unless this team once again can figure out how to defend the three, they are going to find themselves in a very, very bad place when it comes to when it comes to them trying to win games. And now going from being nine and six to nine and ten. Any type of long stretch during the season, whether it be a winning streak or a losing streak, it's going to be more impactful in this shortened season. We saw how much it impacted the Grizzlies' playoff chances with how much they moved up in the standings while they were on their seven-game winning streak. Well, now, having gone through their seven-game winning streak at being a 9-6 and and being right in the thick of the playoff race, this now four-game losing streak has put the Grizzlies down to around 12-13 in the Western Conference. Obviously, it's a long season. Obviously, the ship can be righted, and we do have plenty of proof that the Grizzlies can get much better than they are defending the three. The key is is that they have to figure it out quickly, because if we go another week or so of this without the Grizzlies figuring this out, and this losing streak turns into maybe six or seven games, or we go through a 10-game stretch where we lose eight or nine out of 10, that may be, especially with you know the uncertainty of when Justice and uh, Jaron will be back, if this four-game losing streak turns into a 10-game stretch where the Grizzlies lose eight to nine games because they were not able to right the ship when it comes to defending the three, that right there could be too long of a stretch and dig too big of a hole for this Grizzlies team to get out of as their schedule continues to be stronger, even with Justice and Jaron coming back. So that's why it's so important for this Grizzlies team to figure out what it needs to do to get the energy and effectiveness that it needs to once again get the ship righted and start defending the three. Because there are some encouraging signs that if they did that, the offense will get a little bit better now with the return of Jonas Valanciunas. We saw that obviously last night with his historic play, but it's not just the fact that Jonas himself is back. It's the impact that he makes on Ja Morant that really should allow for this Grizzlies offense to get itself back going and hopefully be supported by better overall defense going forward. Coming up, I'll look at how the return of Jonas really has made a true difference for Ja Morant in terms of them being in the lineup together and without being in the lineup together so far this season. For many of us, the worst part of the winter is right now, especially here in Memphis with a lot of cold weather in the near in the in the coming days when it comes to the forecast. Well, obviously that means that plenty of adjustments need to be made to make sure that the assets that we have are taken care of. And that especially is true when it comes to your car. Hopefully, that doesn't result in you needing repairs, but if you do eventually need repairs at some point, uh, the best place for you to go that I can think of, that's rockauto.com, for a variety of different reasons. For one, within a few clicks of the button, you'll likely find what you need through rockauto.com, because regardless of the make and model of the car that you have, or the part that you need, rockauto.com is likely to have it. The great thing is, is whether you do repairs on your own, you do repairs for others, or you need someone else to do repairs, rockauto.com is a great place for you because the site is very economically feasible. This is a business that has been owned by, that is family-owned business that's been there for more than 20 years. They know that car repairs typically fall outside of many budgets, and for that reason, they try to stay economically feasible as possible. If you go to rockauto.com, let them know that the Locked On Podcast Network sent sent you there. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today.
February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents, More Than the Game. This week, Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On um, Presents podcast feed on radio on the Radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. So obviously, though, though it was a disappointing night, there were a few exciting things for the Grizzlies, especially when it came to their starting lineup. That, of course, was the inclusion of Desmond Bain for the first time in his career. And overall, Desmond Bain did quite well. Uh, 3 of 7 from 3, 5 of 11 overall from the field. He did struggle a bit. There were a bit of butterflies. You know, there were some turnovers. Um, you know, overall, he did decently on defense. But there clearly was the added impact of his ability to shoot from 3. In fact, you know, before the game, in the 15 previous games before Bain got into the starting lineup, and the Grizzlies' 15 previous games before last night, the starters overall had shot 28% from three. With Desmond Bain in the lineup last night, this Grizzlies lineup started eight for 15 from three in the first half. So clearly, you know, an impact was made. But though though, um, Desmond Bain's start may have caused more excitement, the obvious most impactful development from last night was the return of Jonas Valanciunas to the starting lineup. Now, this season so far, Jonas has been in, played in 14 games. Obviously, you know, the game against the Pelicans, he came off the bench, so he only has started just 13. But overall, just under 16 points per game and 11 rebounds per game as well. Just obviously adding a consistent double-double threat that really checks a lot of boxes for this Grizzlies team. And let's get straight to it. There has been a lot of talk about, you know, what to do with Jonas in the near future. What chance, by the end of this calendar year, is there that he is on this Grizzlies roster? I still think that it certainly is up in the air, because I do feel that there's clearly an argument that can be made that Jonas's true value to this team, in the present, is more about what he can bring in terms of a future asset, potentially, for this Grizzlies team to utilize when they're closer to contention, than what he actually adds, adds in value on the court right now. But that's looking at it in a vacuum. It doesn't in any way, shape, or form consider just how beloved Jonas Valanciunas is by the rest of this Grizzlies team and just how much Jonas Valanciunas loves this Grizzlies team and how important he is to the culture. But in a vacuum, it's obvious to see the value that Jonas Valanciunas provides when it comes to what he can do for this Grizzlies team. But another added aspect of Jonas Valanciunas on the court is what he does with Ja Morant. When Jonas is on the court with Ja, there is a clear added value to Ja Morant's game that really allows for this Grizzlies offense to click at a much, much more effective level than if Ja Morant is on the court while Jonas is off. Over at CleaningTheGlass.com, they've got some wonderful features that really allow for you to break down how certain lineups work out, how certain combinations work out, just the different ways in which teams are finding success or struggling based off the lineups that are being deployed. Now, at the end of the day for the Grizzlies, when it comes to the combination of Ja and Jonas being on the court, or Ja being on the court with other players besides Jonas, that in of itself is a very minuscule part of the equation when it comes to the Grizzlies' overall success or struggle on the offensive end. 
Overall, the big things that are standing out are that the Grizzlies are struggling from three because two of their best talents in Jaron Jackson Jr. and Justice Winslow are not available. That's what it comes down to. But for the Grizzlies to have as big, as much consistency and as much success as possible, having Jaw and Jonas on the court is when they clearly shine because of the chemistry between the two players. Here is a bit of an illustration as to why them being on the court together, their performance together, is so critical for the Grizzlies, as we saw during the first quarter of last night's game. So far this season, when John Morant and Jonas Valanciunas are on the court, there have been three different lineup variations in which they've played together on the court, and so far, through a total of 240 positions, here's kind of how their rates look when it comes to their offensive production. Overall, they have a positive net rating of 9.2, which is in the 88th percentile among all different lineup combinations in the NBA. That's when both that's when Jonas is on the court with Ja Morant. They are a positive 9.2 per 100 possessions when it comes to Ja and Jonas being on the court, which is good for 88th per, which is in the 88th percentile of all lineups on, you know in the NBA so far this season. They are averaging 126.3 points per possession when Ja and Jonas are playing together, which is good for the 99th percentile in the NBA. When Jonas and Ja are playing together, the offensive production of the Grizzlies is right up there with anybody else's. Again, 126.3 offensive rating when those two are on the court together through 240 possessions this season. Their effective field goal percentage is 56.7%, which is in the 84th percentile of all lineups across the NBA this season. Their turnover percentage is at 10.8%. They turn the ball over very rarely when Jonas and Ja are on the court, and that is in the 97th percentile. So not only are the Grizzlies converting at, you know, a very, uh, you know, arguably elite rate when it comes to Jonas and Jaw playing together, they also are allowing for themselves to have plenty of opportunities by not turning the ball over. And the big thing about it is, is that they're gaining extra possessions as well when Jonas is on the court because they have an overall offensive rebounding percentage of 31.7% when Jonas is on the court, which is good for 98, which is in the 98th percentile. In other words, this season, when Jonas Valanciunas and John Morant have played together, this Grizzlies offense has truly played to an above average to elite level on a consistent basis. You've seen proof of that when John Jonas had played starting out to the season in the two games against San Antonio and the and the Hawks. The Grizzlies got up to big starts with both of those players in the games. During the stretches and when they've tried to play together, you know, since Jaw's been back, there have been indications where they started off really well, and that showed tonight. But it's clear that when Jonas and Jaw are in the lineup, this Grizzlies offense is truly at its best without Jaron and Justice available. Unfortunately, that takes a big dip once Jonas Valanciunas is off the court with Jaw Morant. And here's an illustration as to why that is. When Jonas is off, the, when Jonas was on the court. The Grizzlies had a positive net rating of 9.2 and an offensive rating of 126.3 per 100 possessions. With Jonas off the court, the Grizzlies' Grizzlies overall net rating is a negative 18.4. 
That is in the that is in the second percentile. That is in the two percent. That is in the second percentile of all lineups in the NBA. They go from being in the eighty fifth percentile with Jonas on the court to being in the second percentile with him off the court. And the reason why that is is they go, is they go from one hundred and twenty six point three net rating. With John ja Jonas playing on the court together through 240 possessions this year, they go from 126.3 all the way down to 103.1 offensive rating when Jonas is not on the court with y'all. That's good for a 6 percentile. That is a 23-point swing between Jonas being on the court with Jaw versus him being not on the court with Jaw over 100%. Over 100 possessions. That's going from being arguably at the top of the league in offense to being at the bottom of the league in offense. It's just phenomenal the difference in production. They also go from near from nearly 50 from 56 and a half percent effective field goal percentage down to 50.9 percent effective field goal percentage, which is 20th percentile in the NBA. The Grizzlies' starting lineup literally goes from being one of the best in the NBA so far this season when Jonas and Jaw are playing together to clearly being the worst without Jonas and Jaw in the lineup. So the return of Jonas Valanciunas in the vacuum is important, but it also clearly is a big deal for him to be compared where for him to be combined with John Morant in this starting lineup. Like it, it's 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 absolutely evident that this Grizzlies offense is a completely different level of offensive production when those two are together versus with Jaw is without Jonas and Jaw talked about it in the post game comments last night. He talked about just how special, how awesome it was to have Jonas Valanciunas back, and it clearly shows with how much of an impact Jonas has on this offense when being combined with Jaw versus Jaw trying to operate the offense without Jonas. So if there is one ray of hope, if there's one thing for the Grizzlies to hang their hat on going forward, it's the fact that hopefully with Jonas out of safety and health protocols and Jaw back from injury, if those two can remain in the starting lineup together, that combination can be a clear difference maker for the Grizzlies that can really allow for them to consistently get off to a hot start. And if their defense can turn it around defending the threes, that really will be two big developments for this Grizzlies team to once again find their winning ways. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SEC, the podcast wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you may choose. We ask that you do subscribe, listen, and enjoy the show and leave us reviews to let you know what you think, as well as DM us via Twitter to talk about different contents that you might like to see on the show. We always want to make want to make sure we're providing content that makes sense for our listeners. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Locked On Grizzlies Podcast. On tomorrow's episode, I will have Grizzly Bear Blues. Hustle correspondent Brandon Abraham on the show. We'll talk about all things Memphis Hustle as well as get into the matchup between LaMelo Ball and John Morant on Wednesday's episode of Locked on Grizzlies. Until then, hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.